Welcome into the Pursuit of Manliness podcast, where we are vigorously equipping men to pursue biblical manliness. My name is Jarrett Samuels. I'm the host of the podcast. Men, as always, I want to thank you for taking time and checking out today's show. If this is your first time coming across the Pursuit of Manliness, I want to say welcome. I'm thankful that you're here. When you get the opportunity, make sure you visit thepursuitofmanliness.com. There you will find this podcast episode. You find all the previous podcast episodes. You can learn more about the Pursuit of Manliness. Uh, you can see what's available in the gear store. We've added some hats again recently. Uh, sign up for the email newsletter and a whole bunch more. But uh, before we get into today's podcast, I want to remind you that the Wednesday, a quiet life podcast is sponsored by Armored Nation Coffee. I'm drinking Armored Nation Coffee right now. This is the Christmas blend. I've still got the Christmas blend. You, you can't buy it uh, on the store. That was available in the Pursuit of Alienist Christmas gear box. However, if you go to armoredcoffee.com, select your coffee, ground, whole bean, K-cups, whatever, and when you check out, you put in the code Pursue Manliness, all capital letters, Pursue Manliness, you will save 25% off your order. Now, I check in with Randy uh, Levere, who is the owner, the operator, the chief barista of Armored Coffee, and say, hey, are guys doing this? They listen to the show. Are they, are they buying coffee? Uh, overwhelmingly, yes, the men are buying Armored Nation coffee. As I said last week, uh, you know, when I talked about it, you know, there's a lot of, there's some companies out there who say they are one thing only to find out behind the curtain there's something else. Uh, Randy is exactly who you think he is. He's a solid man of God. He's a veteran. He's pretty good at making coffee. So make sure you check that out. I want to get into today's conversation. We are going to talk about the Holy Spirit. I asked a question uh, in the Pursuit of Alienist closed Facebook group. Goodness, it's probably been a handful of weeks ago. Some things we should talk about, and one of the first things was the Holy Spirit, and I'm just going to scratch the surface, okay? Scratch the surface talking about the Holy Spirit. I'm going to do my best, hopefully also stay out of the way of whatever God wants us to get. Um, but here's here's the thing. As we talk about living a quiet life, there is a razor-thin line of a quiet life and a secret life. Now I'm a quiet life guy. I I, I know I can I can thread the, the needle there of secret. I don't live a secret life. There's enough of me out there if you want to hear me, whatever. There's enough. There's enough. But I, I'm also distancing myself from always being out there. Or what you you have to you have to guard that line, and I want to live a quiet life. First Thessalonians four eleven to twelve. Aspire to live a quiet life. Mind your own affairs. Work with your hands. Be dependent upon nobody. Be thought well loved by outsiders. Yeah, that's that's what I'm trying to do. I'm not. I don't want to live a secret life. Okay, a quiet life to me is a healthy life. A secret one is a destructive life. I say all that to get back to the Holy Spirit. If you are in Christ, you have the Spirit of God living inside you the spirit of god living inside you so if you're living a quiet life the spirit of god will always kind of pull you back into a godly community with other believers john chapter 16 verse 7 jesus said now he's fixing on going back to heaven this is his uh, farewell speech to his uh disciples 
This is before he gets to the Garden of Gethsemane. He says a lot of things, okay? So again, as I said, I'm just scratching the surface here. He says a lot of things. One of the things he says that I find really interesting is he says, nevertheless, I love that word, nevertheless, like I said all that stuff, but nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Now, Jesus says, I tell you the truth. You might want to open your ears up. He says, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, that's a capital H in my Bible, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now, I've always found this interesting because if you put yourself in the sandals of the disciples, this makes absolutely no sense. The kingdom that Jesus has been talking about appears to be dissolving in front of their eyes. They said, now we have left our jobs. We have left everything that's familiar to us. Uh, Peter said, where do we go? <laughs> you have the words of like, he said, uh, there, there is no plan B. Now we're going to find out they're going to try to get a plan B after Jesus dies. They're like, let's go back to fishing, but they're not going to do that for long. I left it all. He says, it's better if he leaves that, that think of that Jesus. It's better if he leaves. Is this like when, you know, two people get divorced and they say, oh, it's, it's, it's better for the kid. Most of the time when that phrase is used, it's for selfish reasons. Is this a situation where Jesus realized this whole building a kingdom thing is a much bigger elephant to eat than I originally anticipated? Is he giving them kind of a souvenir? Like, look, I want to go back home. It's much better with God the Father. It's much better in eternity in heaven than here. So I'm going to give you a helper. He'll take care of you. That'll be good. Like giving you a little souvenir before he heads back. I, 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 don't, I don't think so. You see, when Jesus was here on this planet, he could not be everywhere with them. It was always a situation. It was a hello and a goodbye, right? He arrives. Throngs of people come out to him. He leaves. Sometimes they're begging him to leave. Sometimes they're trying to make him king. Uh, all kinds of things. Remember in Mark 8 where... Uh, that guy had all the the demons and all that, and and, and Jesus sent uh, Jesus sent the demons into the pigs. The pigs ran off the cliff. People were mad, and they said, "Get him out of here!" He just he just ruined all of our pigs. And uh, the guy said, "Hey, let me go with you." Jesus said, "No, don't do that. You 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 need to go back and you tell him all the things that that the Lord has done." Like that guy physically wanted to be with Jesus, and Jesus said, "No, let's not do that right now." You see, everywhere a man goes, the Holy Spirit is with them if you're in Christ. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? A temple within you, whom you have from God. You are not your own. You know, the Holy Spirit is not just residing in us, dormant, like something given to us when we're saved and we're not really sure what to do with it, you know, like the T-shirt you got, the certificate or the the picture, or whatever you got. You know, sometimes you get a thing when you you, know, you get baptized. Where it's, that's not what's going on here. The coming of the Holy Spirit would be a fulfillment of, of a promise. One of the last things Jesus says in Matthew chapter 28, when we get to the end of Matthew, I believe it's verse 20, he says, Behold, I am with you always to the end of age. He said, You'll never go anywhere in the cosmos where, where I'm not there, where I'm not with you. This Holy Spirit 
that God is giving us, that Jesus said it would be help, it would be better for him to come, would bring us to an, an uninterrupted fellowship with God forever. Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 1, 13 to 14, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Is this like closing on a house? You know, we think it's on you know May 10th, we close and oh we got pushed. No. Paul says, This is the guarantee of your salvation. God living inside of you. What do you mean until we acquire possession of it? Oh, there's an eternity that we're waiting for. And so you get up every day, you make you drink your armor nation coffee, you you put your dark water beard oil in, you you pump gas in your car, you complain about egg prices, and you go to work and you, you know, talk about how the Bengals got ripped off the other night, and you you go about doing your deal, you try to serve others, you love God, you worship Him, whatever, right? Like everywhere you go, everything you're doing, the Holy Spirit is there with you. The word that John uses here in John 16, 7 is elegion, E-L-E-G-C-H-E-I-N. When you translate this, it means like to convince. It's it's to be convinced. So Elijah is used for the like like the cross examination of a witness or or somebody on trial or you know like have you ever seen a, a lawyer cross examine someone? If they're good, if they're a good lawyer, it's something to behold. <laughs> You're like, wow, look out. Like a shark finding chum in water, right? If they are skilled at their craft and they are confident in their case, then they know the preparation and everything that they've done. When it's their turn to go, that individual does not have a leg to stand on. And it can be impressive to watch, sometimes a little difficult at the same time. You think, I feel sorry for that person, right? What they're doing is they're bringing all these things to memory that the person has either chosen to forget or omits intentionally hoping that the evidence will not be presented in some way. But if a person is gifted in their craft, specifically a lawyer, or in this case, the Holy Spirit, who is God, um, he will bring everything to remembrance that we need to remember. When this happens, the person on trial is not only convicted of wrongdoing, right? But ultimately, that individual should be convinced. Now, there's some people that will never be convinced. They could be guilty, 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 and they'll say, I, no, I never did. You're like, everything points to you doing it, right? That, that's being delusional. So what does this have to do with the Holy Spirit in a quiet life, right? Good question. The Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin. When Jesus is crucified on the cross, from what we can tell in print, Nobody believed they were sinning. Remember like the shouts of like, you can put the punishment, the blame on us, our children. Like, you, you know, like they were just like, they were just a hundred percent convinced. This is the guy. This is the guy we need to get rid of. They believed they were doing the right thing before the eyes of God. Saul, who later becomes Paul is a great example of this. He had tremendous zeal the best education a man could possibly receive. 
He had all the credentials where he needed to go. I mean, he was lacking essentially nothing. The man was going nowhere and had no clue. But on the outside, it looked like he did. Acts 7, Stephen's arrested. I believe Paul is there in that group. Later on in Acts chapter 9, and I say I believe Paul is there in that group for some several reasons, and I talked about this a little bit last week. I, I, I want to say this because of what I'm about to share here. Acts chapter 9, 3 through 5, as he went on his way, we're talking about Saul, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you? Lord, he said, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. The reason why I say that is because I think Saul, being a very intelligent man, knew his Old Testament well, zealous for the things of God. I think Stephen being stoned to death and the message that Stephen proclaimed, I think it bothered Saul. To the point when Acts chapter 9, his heart is softened enough to immediately go, this must be Jesus. He's blind, right? Like he's now all of a sudden he's going to become the greatest missionary and church planner the world's ever seen. Who softens our heart to sin? Who brings us to a place where we begin to understand Jesus? It's the Holy Spirit who is always with us, bringing us to a place of repentance, a place of conviction to pursue Jesus daily, stay connected to God, his word, his people. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does that. The Holy Spirit will convince men of righteousness. How do we understand the righteousness of God? It certainly can't be from my journaling to write down all the good things I've done because you look at that at the end of the day, you go, that really didn't amount to much, now did it. Now, I know this. I'll never be able to convince really anybody of anything, especially when it comes to salvation. As a matter of fact... It is my belief, and I've shared this a few different times, that if I can talk you into something, someone who was much more eloquent with words could potentially talk you out of it. I don't ever want to try to manipulate, convince, or or orchestrate a decision for anyone when it comes to salvation. That, That is the Holy Spirit's job. I, my job that I believe that God has given me and has given every believer in Christ is to present to the best of my ability the gospel. I will tell you time and time again, I believe Jesus died, was buried, and he rose again. I believe he is the king of kings, and if you put your faith and trust in him, if you repent of your sins and you surrender to Jesus, you're going to live forever with him. But then at the end of the day, you you what you do with that is your call. I can't think of a plan B that is more convincing. I, I I mean I've heard some people think that you become one with the universe or you what is it, you can come back as an animal or you know, <clears throat> whatever these things are. Some people think you just, you know, you go back to the dirt or whatever. I want to go back to this. Consider Jesus. He was crucified as a criminal, right? Not not much of a trial, but they said he's guilty. The Jews believed he was a heretic. The Romans weren't fired up about him either. He was given the absolute worst punishment a, a person of that day could have. Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 23 says, For a hanged man is cursed by God. And here he is. This guy says he's God. 
and he's hanging on a tree. He's hanging on a cross. Evidently, this guy on the cross doesn't know about Deuteronomy. Oh, he knows about Deuteronomy. But all of a sudden, things begin to shift. They begin to change. Matthew chapter 27, verse 51 to 54. Behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. But that was a sight and a sound. The earth shook. The rocks were split. The tombs were opened. And many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. What was that, Jared? Uh, I'm not really sure. But And coming out of the tombs after the resurrection, when the holy city appeared to many. I bet that was fascinating. When the centurion... Remember, not a fan. When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and everything has taken place, they were filled with awe and said, truly, this was the Son of God. Well, that was quick. What made these guys see Jesus differently? It's amazing. This guy was just a Jewish criminal, right? It's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that convinces us of the righteousness of Christ. It's the Holy Spirit that helps put all these pieces together. John 14, 26, Jesus said, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all these things and bring you to remembrance all that I have said to you. We're terrible at remembering. We're terrible at it. You can have all the cheats and codes, and I got post-it notes, and all. I text myself stuff at night. Email. I got an email to myself waiting to, for me to open it up. It's the Holy Spirit that brings us to a place of remembrance. It's the Holy Spirit that convinces us of a judgment. What makes us certain that there, there will be a judgment? It's the Holy Spirit. Ezekiel chapter 36, 26, 27. And I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of, and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. How am I going to obey statutes and follow rules? It's the spirit that God puts inside of us. Because my flesh is worthless. Utterly worthless. Acts 1.8, Jesus said before he went back to heaven, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. He said, it's go time. What's the fuel we're going on? The Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that reminds us this earth is not our home. It's the Holy Spirit that helps me, helps you see life, see the news, see social media, see whatever it is through a biblical lens. I don't need to react to that. I don't need to get worked up over that. I don't need to engage in that conversation. I don't need to lose any sleep over that. It's the Holy Spirit that helps you keep one eye on the present and one eye on eternity. It's also the Holy Spirit that helps us see those who are far from Jesus. The same thing we once were, far from Christ. It's the Holy Spirit that will challenge you and convict you and help you cultivate a life of worship. And I don't mean worship just through songs. Well, yeah, songs are great. I mean worship through like worshiping your service, worship getting in the word, worshiping loving your spouse, loving your kids. I mean, all that is, is a life of worship. Apart from the Holy Spirit, if we're really honest, we would not be inclined to do any of those things. If it weren't for the Holy Spirit, there's a lot of people that would not be connected to a church community. It's hard. It's messy. 
People stab you in the back. Sometimes they stab you in the front, right? But it's the bride of Christ. It's how the world sees the hope that is in us. Without the Holy Spirit, a lot of faithful men and women would not be tithing to their church. And if you're not tithing, you might want to get in on, get on that. But out, you're cutting a check to a church, 10% of what you bring in. Some of you are like, no, I've never done that. You might want to consider that. Some of you are like, well, 5%, 3%, a few bucks cash, handful, whatever. Sometimes, no, that that's, that's not it. If you want God to be faithful to you all the time, you might want to be faithful to him all the time. We went for the Holy Spirit. We wouldn't serve people. We we wouldn't serve in children's ministries and all these other ministries that we just, you know, taking out garbage and all that. We wouldn't. People wouldn't. I don't think they would do that. I don't think so. It's the Holy Spirit that grows us into a life of maturity. So as we wrap up this episode, I want to leave you with one of my favorite verses. And if you've listened to this podcast or me ramble on about anything you've heard it before Uh, I quote it quite often I think it's one that we need to consider more than what we probably do it's Romans chapter 8 verse 11 if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you there's a big if there if that spirit who what is the guarantee of your salvation if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead if he dwells in you he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead, that, that the only one that's ever been raised from the dead, will also give life to your mortal body. We're all falling apart here. Will give life to your mortal body through His Spirit who dwells in you. The Spirit brings life. The Spirit brings remembrance. The Spirit convicts. The Spirit leads us to righteousness. We do not want to ignore the Holy Spirit. We want to ask God more opportunities for me to walk in the Spirit. Amen. Man, thank you for listening, and let's keep pursuing biblical manliness.